He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Please be seated. I'm not sure if you, you heard were able to hear the words of Zach, but, but a message that came through and, and hit very deeply for me is that in Jesus Christ we see that love conquers death. And that is very true words and very true and applicable words to the season that we are in. Where we had um, decided as a, as a pastoral team that what we wanted to emphasize during this season of Easter is life, uh, life restored to us. That everything about the resurrection changes everything about who we are and even the words that we share. That when we gather around the caskets, when we gather around the tombs, when we, we go to our funerals, the words that we share are not empty, uh, but rather with purpose. That we are not people who are, are escapists. We're not promising a, a time of us just escaping from this place spiritually, but rather that Jesus Christ is coming back here and raising us from the dead. And that is our promise. That is what we have hope in, is that these bodies of ours will rise again from the dead. N.T. Wright, one of the prominent thinkers, especially on uh, the resurrection, who's kind of brought this back to our church and brought it back to life for us, made a point in saying that the good news is what we believe in. That as Christians, we are people of the good news. In fact, that is the gospel, is good news, which means it is a message. That what we preach, what we teach, what we have our hope in, what gathers us together as a people is a message. It is not a list of actions. It's not to hear somebody talk about ten ways to make it through the Christian life. But it is actually a message of hope, a message of love. It is a message of a Lord who is resurrected from the dead. The good news that we have is that Jesus Christ is risen. Whoever started that gets the points for today. That's very good. <clears throat> we have a God who is risen, and because He is risen, so shall we. That is the good news. And Zach was, was very right when he's saying that, that for us as a church, that we have gone through a season where we have lost many of our brothers and sisters. That though we are, we are a multi-generational, an intergenerational church, that one of the hardships of being that way, and though I think that is the best way to be, is that at times we have to say goodbye to those that we love. That it's part of our life. It's part of our life as Christians to do that. And as we have said goodbye to several people that have meant a lot to us this year. We do so with hope. We do so with promise. We know that that which has been buried, like seeds, will rise again. Because Jesus Christ has raised. That's the promise that we have. That is the good news that changes everything for us. So when we go to our funerals, when we gather together as people of God in our memorials, the words that we share is that this person will rise again. That this person has been loved in such a way that the Lord did not provide some way for them to escape, but He has actually come to that person 
called him by name or her by name, and one day will do so again when they rise from the dead. And that is the same for you. That is the promise, that is the hope that you have as well. That one day our Lord will say your name and you will rise. So the resurrection changes how we see death. It changes how we see life. Now it's true that as we think about resurrection, we think about the resurrection of the Lord and we think of ours, we still have to deal with the things of this world. We still have to deal with this death that comes around us. And as we think of that death and we think of this life and the struggles that we come across in it, certainly uh, death throws a speed bump in the road for us. It puts a time on the things that we have uh, before us, that the person that I am with one day, either she or I will go. My children, those of us that have been born into this world, born with the curse of sin upon us, know that death will happen unless Jesus comes back first. And so as we deal with that, we, we look at the different stories of resurrection in Scripture. Last week, uh, Pastor Marcus talked about the widow and the widow's son in Ezekiel and, and, and flinging himself upon the, the dead child to bring him back. Today we have the story of Jesus coming into town and seeing a funeral procession coming by. That is not something that maybe we are used to seeing here in the Northwest. I, I actually cannot think of once seeing a funeral procession go down the road. And even when I have done funerals, I think of only one time where I've been part of a procession. It's not part of our, our makeup here, but growing up in Missouri, uh, they had the thing where as a funeral procession passed by, all the cars pulled over and they stopped. Uh, my family, my dad's family is from Tennessee, and when, when a, a funeral procession would go by there, they not only stopped, they got out of the car. You stop and you recognize the funeral that's going by, not so much just for the dead person, but for the family that is in mourning, that is in grief. That maybe gives us a little picture of, of what this scene may have been like as Jesus came into this town where, where this funeral procession is going. And in these towns, that, that meant everything. People stopped, people became part of it, and people openly grieved and they wailed. They created a scene. And that was considered a good thing. Letting out those emotions and, and crying and weeping. Now, some of you have experienced the kind of pain that this, this widow has. And if you haven't personally experienced it, you have probably seen it happen to others. Where the terrible loss of a child is, is an overwhelming and an overcoming grief. And for this mother, that, that is certainly what she was feeling putting yourself also in that time, knowing that that was her only son. That that death meant for her a very uncertain future because that was who was to take care of her as a widow. That was the one who was to inherit everything. So not only has she lost her child, she's lost the one who's to take care of her. The one who was her security, her safety. 
So the weeping that she had was not just a weeping of complete loss that you feel with the loss of a child, but the loss of everything she had. There was no point in going home for her. Understanding this pain, understanding what she felt, and hearing the words of Jesus come to her, do not weep, is peculiar. To look at someone in the midst of grief and mourning and to say those words, do not weep, is almost an invitation to get kicked in the shin. How dare you say something like that? I myself have seen it countless times within families as others are trying to get others to stop mourning because that person has gone on to a better place. And it's always funny as a pastor to be like to say, no, weep, cry. There's reason to grieve and be sad. Jesus comes along and tells, tells this widow, do not weep. We know the pains of death. We know the pains of loss, of seeing someone go. We've seen the pain that can hit this world with tragedy as mountains of lives are lost. And to hear, do not weep. We have to ask why. How can this even be said? He said this in anticipation of what was about to happen. Do not weep, because at that time, in that place, the sun was going to rise. At that time and in that place, he will rise. And so in hearing the words of the Lord, hearing his voice, the same voice that spoke into existence the things of this world, hearing the words coming out, the feeling the breath of God come upon it, the same breath that brings to life this entire world, brings to life us, brought to life that dead child, that dead son. In that place, in that time, that son will rise. And he did. So do not weep. The instructions come out to us as Christians. Do not weep. Because one day, that person will rise. Do not weep because at that time and in that place, the sun has risen. The Son of God has risen. Defeating that death, defeating all that is there. So in our instructions of do not weep, is not to say do not cry, because certainly we even see as Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus, he cries. As he goes to Jerusalem, he cries. He shows his emotions, his expressions. But we do not weep as those who have no hope. We do not weep as that mother who is mourning the loss of her future because for us there is always a future. Because for us there is always that security. For us there is always life. So we do not weep. We do not weep in the way that we do not have hope because we weep as ones who have hope. 
When we grieve over those who have been lost, we grieve as those with hope. As ones who know that those who have fallen asleep, those who have been planted in the ground, will one day rise. So we have hope. We have resurrection. We have life over death. Because the Son has risen. There was one time where I was sitting down and, and having coffee with a friend. And, and this friend had made this statement in, in the midst of doubt and trouble of faith. He said, is this what it can be all about? Is our faith just about going to heaven? Is it just about us making it to the end? And at the end, living on a cloud. The resurrection, the instruction of not to weep, the son being restored to the mother and our dead ones being restored to life shows that our faith is about so much more than just that. Jesus says that there are kings, there are prophets who long to see the days that we see. The days when we actually have hope over death. The prophets, as they prepared for the coming of the Messiah, spoke of the glories that we would see, the praises that we would be able to sing. Because we actually have a message of good news. Because we have a message of hope. We do not come here to labor over more things. We come here to rest in a promise. The other day I was walking walking in my neighborhood, which is the same neighborhood this church is in. And if you notice, there's some, something unique about this neighborhood compared to other neighborhoods in our city. Is that many of the tall, I guess they're alpine trees. Can somebody help me? I'm not sure what those things are. But they're tall. Very tall and pointed. And in this, our, 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 our neighborhood sits on a hill, which means every time the wind blows, this neighborhood gets hit. And I'm used to seeing in our backyard where we have three or four of these, that when the wind blows, the, the trees actually hit each other. And it, it makes a sound, a very terrifying sound if your house is underneath. <laughs> but they hit and they make a sound. I've thought about it a couple of different times, but one, one day this past week while walking my dog, the wind blew up and the trees began to start hitting one another. And surprisingly, at the same time, the, the sound of a marching band from the nearby high school was carried with that wind. And I feel like I literally saw the music moving the trees and the trees clapping their hands with the music. This is the way Isaiah describes our days, describes our lives and the joy that we have because we actually have hope, because we actually have good news. 
where Isaiah says to us in chapter 55, For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. As the wind blew, the trees moved, they clapped together, and the sound of the music. The sound of the music wouldn't mean anything if I didn't know where that music was coming from, and I didn't know what might be coming down. Think of yourself as you're standing on a parade and you can hear the marching band coming. And as the marching band is coming, the sound keeps getting louder and louder and louder. And you and your heart are anticipating the the appearance of this band as it comes by. For us as people who know the resurrection and know this promise, we hear the music, we see the trees clapping their hands, and we are waiting, waiting for it to be fulfilled and seeing the origins of this music. But in that meantime, we join together with those trees clapping their hands in those fields and those hills breaking forth into song. We do so by sharing the very news that we have, sharing the message that we have, that with every voice, with every word that we have, it comes forth in song. That every gift we give to those who are poor and oppressed For every time we work to set those who have been put in slavery free, we join in song and the clapping of hands. Every time we see those who are mourning and grieving and we say to them, do not worry, Christ is risen. And so will they. We join in that song. Every time we gather together, we come forward and we taste and we see the mighty works of our God in his body and blood. We join in that song. We become part of the trees clapping their hands. We become the time and the error when it's said the prophets and kings will look on jealousy for those who have this hope. We do not weep without hope. Rather, what has been gone from us, what has been sowed into the ground, will be restored and returned, and that includes you. This is the power of the resurrection. This is the sign of love defeating death. Amen?